God's life, your spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Your spirit inspired the prophets and writers of scripture. Your spirit draws us to Christ and helps us acknowledge him as Lord. We ask that you will send your spirit now to give us deeper insight, encouragement, faith, and hope through the proclamation of the Easter gospel. Amen. The first scripture reading is from Isaiah 25, 16. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The psalm reading is from 118, 122, and 1424. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly, the right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone of the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The next reading is from Mark 16, 1-8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, so they might go and anoint him, and hurl it very early on the first day of the week. When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us for the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who has crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid.
Our final reading this morning comes from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Because today is both Easter and April Fool's Day, I thought I would start off with a corny Easter joke I stumbled across this week. The theology of this joke is pretty sketchy, but it is still funny. One Easter, a priest and a taxi driver both died and went to heaven. St. Peter was at the pearly gates waiting for them. Come with me, said St. Peter to the taxi driver. The taxi driver did as he was told and followed St. Peter to a mansion. It had everything you could imagine, from a bowling alley to an Olympic-sized pool. Oh, my word, thank you, said the taxi driver. Next, St. Peter led the priest to a a rough old shack with a bunk bed and a little old television set. Wait, I think you're a little mixed up, said the priest. Shouldn't I be the one who gets the mansion? After all, I was a priest, went to church every day, and preached God's word. That is true, St. Peter replied. But during your Easter sermons, people slept. When the taxi driver drove, everyone prayed. (laughs) I love a good stupid joke. (laughs) And I'm going to do my best this morning not to put you all to sleep. I was was up at the crack of dawn, literally, for the sunrise service this morning, though, so I can't promise I won't put myself to sleep. I was actually pretty torn when preparing the worship service and my sermon for today because I desperately love a good joke and a good prank, and the temptation to add Christmas hymns or do everything completely backwards this morning was very strong. But my sense of decency and rule following and my love for the flow of worship and the church year won that internal argument. And I do so love Easter very, very much. It truly is the high point of the church year. We get to read some of the weirdest, most interesting passages of scripture together. We talk about redemption and forgiveness and miracles and all the good stuff after spending all of Lent dragging our feet through the hard stuff. 
And as an added bonus, my son doesn't wear sweatpants to church on Easter. (laughs) My brother-in-law jokingly refers to Easter as Zombie Jesus Day. Every year, he really, really does. He's got a strange sense of humor, even when it's not April Fool's Day. But he's not alone in realizing the absurdity of this holiday. Even the disciples who first got word about the resurrection were completely at a loss as to what to do with this information. Trembling and astonishment had seized them. No kidding. (laughs) Think about it. This is a weird, weird story. Just a few days ago, the authorities put to death a man who was saying things that shook them up a bit. Now, that's pretty easy to process. It happens all the time in one form or another. There will always be people, even or maybe especially people in power, who just want to maintain the status quo. And those people will often go to drastic measures to do so. The weird part... Is how God used that. The weirder part is that not only did God use it, God redeemed it. The weirdest part is that not only did God use it and redeem it, but God redeems us. Sometimes I think that's the most miraculous part of the story. It seems like it would be easier For Jesus to rise again from the dead than to forgive and redeem the rottenness of humanity. I don't know if y'all have noticed this lately, but humanity is a hot mess. People are shooting each other en masse in public places. It's almost impossible to have diplomatic dialogue between two people or groups on opposite ends of the spectrum on any debate. Do not... I repeat, do not read the comments of any online news article if you want to retain any hope for mankind. I see a few people nodding and giggling. You've done that, haven't you? You've made that mistake. North Korea is breathing threats down the backs of our necks every other day and appearing to make nice on the days in between. And good luck figuring out who's right and who's wrong in Israel-Palestine right now. I've been spending a lot of time researching the history and culture and religion of that part of the world in preparation for a peacemaking conference there next month. And the more I read, the less I feel like I know about what's actually going on over there. Now, I know that there certainly is goodness in the world. There is phenomenal love and compassion and kindness in this world. I'm looking out into this congregation and I see pews full of love and compassion and kindness. Trust me, I know that you all are some of the most wonderful and good people that anyone will ever meet. But there are also some mean people out there in the world. This is a reality. There are mean people, there are mean systems, there are mean circumstances. Sometimes there are even mean people in churches. Now, I haven't met any of those here yet, but you've all been behaving well. (laughs) But I've met them in other churches. One of those mean people I met in a church was even a pastor. And I've heard about them from other people, too. And I'm not saying the world's all bad. I'm just saying that it can feel pretty exhausting 
It can feel like fighting for justice and compassion and righteousness and goodness in the world is an uphill battle. Peter says in our passage today from Acts that God loves everyone. God doesn't show partiality to anybody. God loves all people, even the mean ones. And in fact, Jesus spent his life bringing healing and compassion specifically to people who were under the oppression of sin, to people who had been hurt by the world and the people around them. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone who believes in him is granted forgiveness. Jesus didn't just do all of this for the good guys. Jesus rose again so that all people might be able to experience forgiveness. It's your choice if you want to live into that or not. This is so completely counter to the messages of the world today. But it is so very needed. So let me say that again. Everyone who believes in him is granted forgiveness. Jesus didn't just do this for the good guys. Jesus rose again so that all people might be able to experience forgiveness. And it is your choice if you want to live into that or not. Jesus came and taught and healed and died and rose again so that we wouldn't have to stay under the oppression of sin and of meanness. Not all people choose freedom, but it is offered to all. And Peter would know firsthand about the impartiality of God. He had just been sent to the home of a Roman soldier, the enemy. That's where he delivers this message. And even this man, this member of the occupying military, was not beyond God's redemption. Peter really struggled with that at first. This is someone who, under Jewish law, Peter wasn't even supposed to eat with. Yet God sent him to this guy's house. Matt Skinner of Working Preacher says this, in Acts 10, 34 through 43, Peter preaches to a Gentile soldier whom he might have previously dismissed as profane or unclean. He preaches then as one attentive to God's leading and God's presence. This attentiveness allows him to do more than recite the details of an already familiar story. He's referring to the resurrection story there that Peter shares. It creates an opportunity to consider the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the light cast by the fresh and surprising work of God in their midst. We ask, where else is God extending salvation today within our world? How might our answers to that question lead us to discover new corresponding meaning in the Easter story? We all have the same creator. We all need the same salvation, no matter who we are or what we've done or where we're from. We cannot dwell in the past of who did what to whom, and we can't just let our faith sit stagnant in one place. 
because it's just not like it was in the good old days. We can't pretend the well-being and salvation of another person is less important than that of another. What Peter offers us in this little mini-sermon is a new and exciting message out of a weird old story that sounds completely nuts to most modern readers. The message of the resurrection is that everyone matters. Love wins. Compassion for one another, no matter how different, is central to true Christian faith. Again, from Working Preacher, this time from Mark Tranvik, we read that Peter's sermon is startling and even destabilizing. He announces God's radical love is on the move, breaking down cherished and long-held borders and categories. We tend to build our own private faiths, drawing lines around who is in and who is out. And we get upset when people mess with our religion. We try to, uh, we try to and domesticate God as we use him to pursue our own independent goals and agendas. Regardless of these old divisions or hurts, we are called to continually move forward, sisters and brothers, leaning into and participating in the healing and redemption of all as given us in Jesus. We're all at different points in our journey, and that's okay, as long as we're moving forward from wherever it is that we are. For those who still wrestle with this weird story and figuring out what to do with it, great. Keep wrestling. Call me or email me or stop by the office with questions because God doesn't judge your questions. What right do I have to do so? And I do love a good theological conversation. For those who have wrestled already and have seen and experienced that forgiveness and are on the path of learning how to live into it, that is awesome. Do as Ashley encouraged the children this morning and go share that story with others. Share that forgiveness, that grace, that love and compassion and kindness to all those around you who have been picked on by a mean world. And for all on any point on that spectrum between what's up with the zombie Jesus and he is risen, he is risen indeed, go out to share peace with one another. There are no nations in the eyes of God. There are no divisions. There are no separate categories of people in the eyes of God. There are only beloved people. This year, do not let Easter be the same old weird holiday. There's nothing wrong with weird. For the record, it's the same old part that trips us up. What a perfect time to find a stranger to welcome, a person to hang out with who is terribly different from you in some way, as we hopefully any day now experience the beauty and newness of spring. It'll come, I promise. Let it be a reminder of how God makes beauty and newness out of even a mean, messed up, divided, angry people, let it be a reminder that God loves each and every one of you so incredibly. And he gave us Jesus Christ, his son, that in him, each and every one of us, no matter where we've come from, no matter where we've been or what we've done, no matter who we are, we are redeemed. Amen.